Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. I'm Dale Jarrett, NASCAR Hall of Famer and Sprint Cup champion. Join me and others weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern for NASCAR America. You'll see interviews with NASCAR's biggest stars and get all the latest news. NASCAR America, weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Our guest this week is the most recent first-time winner in the Sprint Cup series, Kyle Larson. We had Kyle on the podcast nearly six months ago, but we had another opportunity to get him after his August 28th victory at Michigan Air National Speedway. And this time the conversation was in person, so we jumped at it. There are many angles to Kyle's first Cup win. It ended a wait of nearly two years and many near misses. It put him in the playoffs for the first time, and it was followed by one of the best celebratory burnouts ever, minus a wheel, no less. But my biggest takeaway from it was the relationship between driver and team owner. When Kyle Larson signed with Chip Ganassi Racing, he could have gone anywhere. He was regarded as potentially the greatest prospect in years and drew comparisons with Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart. He was courted by every NASCAR team. But as you will hear him explain in this podcast, the Ganassi opportunity was the most turnkey available. Kyle didn't have to bring sponsorship to make this happen. He didn't have uncertainty about there being a spot in the Sprint Cup series when he was ready. All he had to do was show up and race. And as Kyle also says, he prefers to keep things simple like that. The source material for much of this conversation was an excellent piece called Hell Week that was written by Kyle's dad, Mike, for a website called thedriversproject.com. It was a detailed account of what the events from 2011 to early 2012 were that culminated in Kyle's signing by Ganassi. And though his dad did a great job with it, I wanted to get Kyle's side on all those events as well. As you'll hear, he's very forthcoming about the entire process, and you still can hear some of the disappointment in his voice about why it didn't work out with other teams and why that has built such a bond of loyalty with Ganassi. As his team owner Chip Ganassi has said, those other guys had shots at Kyle, and they passed. 
As always, we appreciate you listening. If you're hearing us via iTunes, please leave a rating or review, or please subscribe or have your friends subscribe. It really helps us out. There are many other options for finding us. Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We generally have episodes every Wednesday. If you're subscribed on iTunes or elsewhere, you won't miss an episode. And don't miss an episode of NASCAR America. It airs daily at 6 p.m. Monday through Thursday on NBCSN. That also is the home for all NASCAR coverage this weekend at Richmond International Raceway. Whether it's Sprint Cup or Xfinity practice, NASCAR America, Countdown to Green, the Friday Xfinity race, or the Saturday night Sprint Cup race, you will find everything you need from Richmond on NBCSN. And a reminder that all of our NASCAR coverage always is available for streaming via the NBC Sports app. You can download that to your tablet or smartphone or watch on your laptop. So now let's get to the conversation with Kyle Larson. Just to set the scene, we taped this in a conference room at Chip Ganassi Racing on Wednesday, August 31st. And Kyle had just wrapped up a phone interview with Sports Talk host Jim Rome before moving right to us. So we'll pick it up there three days after his breakthrough win. Kyle, uh, thanks for being here. I'm sure this has already been a busy week for you. I know you did media pretty much all day Monday, and you just finished up the Jim Rome show. Uh, Does this get annoying at some point, or (laughs) does it get wearying, or is it is it worth all the trouble? Uh, Normally, if you know if if you're doing all this media for not having a win, uh, it's (laughs) annoying. But um, yeah, I don't mind doing all the media since uh, you know it's my first cup win. Um, Davis, my PR guy, he was apologizing last night for all the media requests and stuff, and I was like, well, I, I'm cool with it because you only get to win for your first time once. So um, I'm sure I won't have to do this much media the next time I win. So uh, we'll soak it in. Yeah, obviously you're you're the story right now uh, with your first Sprint Cup win at Michigan, and a lot of reasons that was significant. Um, a lot of images I think from that win that were significant. There was your uh, celebratory burnout without the wheel. Um, of course there's the story of the long wait for the win. There was making the playoffs, the chase for the first time that that virtually has been assured now. But I think the other major theme that struck me, Kyle, from, from Sunday at Michigan was, um, your relationship with Chip Ganassi. And, um, I just want to read you something that he said after the race, he was asked about your relationship and, and going forward. And he said that you guys had developed a great rapport. And that while other people might have viewed you coming to this team as a stepping stone, he, he never felt that the case. That was the case. He said that the one time your contract came up, he said to you, what do you think about the other teams talking to you? And you said, well, they all had a shot at me the first time. And now they don't. <laughs> um, is, that, is that what a lot of this boils down to you for? Is, just, is it just boil down to loyalty? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, definitely. Uh, yeah, I got to... You know, in 2011, I ran, you know, USAC stuff in Indiana and had a great year, won a lot of big races, and then got to uh, come down to Charlotte and, uh, you know, meet with a lot of team owners and, and stuff. And um, every single one of them was like, oh, yeah, we'd love to do something with you, but we need, a, you know, half million dollars. And I'm, you know, back then I, you know, I earned all my rides. I didn't bring money to any ride. And, um, you know, Chip, we came and met Chip. Uh, you know, I, he was our last stop before I flew back probably to Indiana or whatever. And, and so we came over here, we we're just going to stop by and say hi. And, um, you know, we went upstairs and, uh, you know, if anybody knows Chip, you know, all of his conversations, at least with me and, and most people are, are really short. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, within like the first 
probably a minute of us talking to him. He's like, oh yeah, let's, so uh, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we sign you up? And and uh, <laughs> so I was like, well, this is awesome. Uh, you know, he's the only guy that didn't mention a thing about any money. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, you know, definitely got to be loyal to him for giving giving me a shot and and taking a, a big chance uh, on me. Um, it was a it was a huge gamble uh, for for this team and Target uh, on a you know 19 year old kid at the time from from California. Right. So how did that go with Chip? I, I know you do impressions of Chip occasionally. <laughs> uh, it, most of my conversations usually go with him. Like, Yo, what's yo. next? <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? Yeah. What else? And I'm sure was... there was a couple of what else's at the end of that conversation because <laughs> we were probably all speechless. <laughs> and it really was just like within yeah, a minute was... of talking to him, he knew. I bet. He to I bet him. I only spent 15. 15 minutes of the shop, you know, that day I met him, um, cause I had to get to my flight, but, uh, yeah, you know, I really, we walked in, I mean, you're in the shop right now. So we walked in, walked upstairs. I was with, uh, my agent, uh, Jeff Dickerson and, um, Chip and Jeff have had a, a long, uh, you know, great history together, you know, great friends. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was quick. It was yeah. literally probably in the first minute of us, you know, shaking hands. He's, you know, yo, Dickerson, what, so how, how, we, how are we going to sign this guy up? <laughs> um, it's funny you bring up 2011 because that's actually what I want to talk to you about is, is kind of how you got to this point of, again, be, here we are sitting at Chip Ganassi Racing and, and everything that, that came to it. Your, your dad wrote, I, I thought, a pretty incredible story um, for the, the driversproject.com, same of the website, called Hell Week. Did, mm-hmm. did you have a chance to, to read it? Yeah, I read yeah. that, yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much of a Hell Week it was. But, uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently for him, it was a Hell Week. <laughs> well, I wanted to get your perspective on that, because we know, obviously, Mike Larson's view of that, but the, the Kyle Larson view of that. It's, it starts out with you're running for um, Keith Coons Motorsports, and you're starting to make your first trips to Indiana to race in May of 2011. And at that time, that was when your dad was introduced to uh, one of Chip Ganassi's attorneys in Indianapolis, Bruce Kempton, who had heard of you, and he introduced himself to your parents, and he he would sit and watch USAC races with them. But at that time, you guys were just, this was six months before you were here to meet Chip. Mm-hmm. You guys were just kind of building a relationship at that point. There was no talk of ta- contracts or anything. So no, was that sort of the yeah. beginning? Yeah, 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 nothing. Um, yeah, you know, Bruce Kempton and then Mike Hole, uh, who runs the IndyCar operation there in, in Indiana, um, you know, I remember I got to meet I got to meet both of them, Bruce and Mike, uh, early on. You know, in in my USAC career there, so kind of had a small relationship uh, with with Chip Ganassi Racing, but had still not yet met Chip. Um, but yeah, that was a uh, that was a a really fun year. Um, crazy, kind of how quickly my life changed uh, that year. Um, you know, because everything I did before that. Uh, what was it? Oh, oh six or seven up until 2010. You know, I couldn't, I was racing California and, and always wanted to race in Indiana, but couldn't ever get the right opportunities to go there and race. And felt like it took forever for me to finally get that opportunity. And then once I got it, it's like everything just like exploded and my life was just changing by the day and, and right. all for, all for great stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, you know, like I said, I won a lot of big races that year, so I got to meet some pretty important people. And uh, yeah, Chip was the most important guy I met. I guess it is probably really hard to to, to explain it to somebody that, and generally, like if you're if you're a sprint car driver growing up in the Midwest, people probably have heard of you before mm-hmm. you start racing at at all these uh, you know legendary events around the Indianapolis area or at Eldora. 
you come out of virtually nowhere and it's just a USAC official sees you, I guess, in one of the first few races you're running in Indiana in May of 2011 says to Bruce Kempton, Hey, you might want to check this guy out. And that was kind of how it, it was, started. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk Spridgen, uh, I guess he's more, more or less than a USAC official, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, he's a young guy. He used to work at, uh, MMI, uh-huh. which is, uh, motorsports management. Um, it's not around anymore. They kind of, all the three, the head guys there kind of split and did their own agencies. But uh, Spridge worked at MMI, and um, then, yeah, was was working. I don't know if he was – I guess he was working at USAC in 2011. And, uh, yeah, so he had, you know, he had talked to – he kind of – Spridge was the guy that kind of got my name out to, you know, all the important people he knew, you know, Jeff Dickerson, uh, Bruce Kempton. And then from there, uh, you know, my name started taking off. Right. And Dickerson at the time was working at MMI as, as well, right? Yeah. yeah with yeah. Spridge, but, but like I said, they split up and, and Dickerson started Spire, Spire Sports and Entertainment. Right. Which um, is who represents you. Yes. Now. They, they, right. rep- they uh, represent me now. Gotcha. Uh, you said that, uh, you know, you, you met Mike Hall early on there, Kyle, obviously Mike oversees chips, IndyCar programs in Indianapolis. Was, was there talk then knowing you were running open wheel? Was there talk that maybe you could go that route? Or? Um, yeah, I remember, uh, yeah, they're, you know, halfway through this season, 2011, um, you know, there were some like Indy lights teams that had reached out to me and stuff, but, uh, you know, and you know, if that was the only thing I would have got, I would have been I would have tried it, but uh, NASCAR is really where I wanted to end up. Um, all my, you know, favorite drivers or heroes or whatever you want to call it were, were racing NASCAR. Um, so that's really where I wanted to, where I wanted to be. Um, you know, Indy 500 is, is to me the best race in the world, um, but I want to be a, you know, Sprint Cup Series champion someday. So, and I knew that a long time ago. So um, I guess, you know, there was – you know, when, I, when you do sound a chip, I guess you have the uh, option to kind of choose whatever you want to do because he has so many different teams and yeah. all forms of racing. So uh, I think they kind of just wanted me to tell them what I wanted to do. You know, I, I probably, if I would have said IndyCar, I'm sure Chip would have figured out a way for me to be racing IndyCar, but um, you know, NASCAR is what I wanted to do. And Mike was a, maybe a big proponent of telling Chip, hey, this is a kid who, even though he's not going to come to my side, he he's gonna up in Charlotte, and this is a guy we should look at and have in our NASCAR program. Yeah, um, you know, I think too because at Chip's place, it's it's one team really. You know, mm-hmm. there's you know 14 or whatever different teams or whatever. Six, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a lot Lose of different track teams, of all the but different uh, series he runs. we're all kind of work together. And and uh, you know, even though I'm a NASCAR driver, I still get to go do the Rolex stuff with the you know sports car teams uh, with with the Indy guys. Um, so. Yeah, where I mean, I'm a NASCAR dude, but uh, yeah, I still get to be involved with the IndyCar shop some. So you start winning during the the summer of 2011, and again, like all these open wheel races, you're catching a lot of people's eye. And your dad said that you then went to Chicago and met with Toyota NASCAR teams uh, that summer as you were you were emerging as this hot prospect. Were you hopeful that would lead to a, a funded ride? I know you, you. I think this is what you were just referring to. Your dad said that when you, when you guys went up there, that was when you, they said, "Hey, it's going to be about half a million to a mil mm-hmm. to bring us to run a K and N car." Did you, was there a huge sense of disappointment there? Did you think like, "Hey, I'm winning these races and I'm, I'm yeah. taking this meeting and maybe you would give me a, a chance?" Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was a huge disappointment. Because um, I mean, I'm 19 at the time and you're winning all these races and. Toyota tells you they love you a lot, and, and I know they do or did or whatever. Um, so you you know they planned for me to go to Chicago the you know first first week of the Cup 
or the chase starting and um so i'm excited you know gonna go meet with these truck teams like you know, expecting like oh yeah and you know we're gonna, they're gonna get something done for me and yeah every i mean it was every single meeting every you know gibbs and michael waltrip and all of them wanted money and uh toyota wasn't willing to spend the money and i didn't have any sponsors so um but i i mean i guess i was disappointed at the time but i love open wheel racing and you know very early on i didn't really care if i made it or not because i knew i could do that stuff for a living so i mean like i said it was it was disappointing you know realizing that you know kind of getting a glimpse of how nascar works but uh yeah at the same time i would have been fine racing you know usac and world outlaws were you aware that that might be the way of the world that it it was a a place where you probably had to bring money to to get your start or yeah i mean and i knew i knew probably before then that it you know it took lots of money um you know the way the comedy was um so i think that's also why it was a big surprise when i came here that chip didn't mention one word of money and Mm -hmm. uh that's why um you know i'm super thankful for for that and and everything he's done for me uh so two months later you well i guess first let's just touch on briefly at, was it after that that i guess that the four crown nationals at eldora maybe it, maybe that was like right before that where that, that was was that, that that was where you were already starting to break through but was, that was the moment at which everything yeah, sort of changed overnight for it you. was probably right after the chicago trip really the okay. four crown yeah yeah because it was because it goes i don't know what it did then but i know now it goes chicago loud and and Loudon's always during the that four same crown, week. so okay. it had to be the next week. So you become the second person ever to win those four USAC divisions same night mm-hmm. at Eldora, and it was and my first first ever time there too. So um, yeah, it, it was a it was a great night. Um, you know, thought thought I'd win one of the races, whether it was midget or silver crown. Um, didn't think I would win the sprint car race, and definitely didn't think I'd win all three. Um, but we were able to you know, win the midget race and then you know, got super lucky in the sprint car race. Uh, it was pretty hard on tires. People were blistering their, their right rears and, and, you know, cutting them and, and, you know, having to go to the work area. And I finally, uh, you know, that place is so intimidating in a sprint car. It took me probably two thirds of the race to get finally, you know, some confidence up to run close to the wall. And, and once I did that, you know, I was able to, you know, get lucky, like I said, but then, you know, pass some good drivers and good cars and, and get the win there. And then, uh, our silver crown car was so fast that night and we qualified on the pole. So after I won that sprint car race, I was like, man, this is, this is really cool. I'm about to win all three of these things and, uh, ran the most perfect race I've ever ran in my life in the silver crown race. And, uh, you know, dominated that and, and won all three. And, and Tony was there too, Stuart, cause he owns Eldora. And, um, you know, I'm 19 and, and he gave me a, you know, $10,000 bonus for, for winning all three and <laughs> $10,000 in a 19 year old kid is, is, uh, right. amazing. So I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then, then, you know, that's when, you know, wind tunnel was still around on speed. And uh, I remember eating lunch the next day in Indiana and like, they're talking about me on TV and I was like, <laughs> wow, this is crazy. Like, you know, I was, I'm on TV <laughs> and, uh, right, right. um, and really after that, that's when, you know, a lot of people, you know, noticed me. I know, um, you know, a lot of the NASCAR media people had heard about the win and, and the next day were, you know, asking guys like Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart and, and Casey Kane, you know, what they'd thought about that. And, and uh, you know, really my, my career exploded after that. Right. So your dad writes, it was the next month in October, 2011, 
where you're you're touring the shops and of course as you just said that was when ganassi was the last stop on tour that day but your dad said that the first two were were roush and hendrick and both of them and penske oh and penske okay you left that one out okay (laughs) (laughs) um was that when you hit you know you mentioned that surreal moment of having tony stewart present you with the check when you visited hendrick that day was that when jeff gordon had you in his office and he sat you down for a while yeah yeah and i was uh i didn't i was a big jeff gordon fan but i wasn't really a jeff gordon fan after that because uh he told me i needed to get out of sprint cars because they teach you bad habits and uh everybody who knows me knows i love sprint car racing and will never get out of them so um i was i was disappointed that he told me that um understood but uh yeah I yeah I I yeah I would have chose sprint car racing over NASCAR back then. So uh, I, think, I think it was Earnhardt who gave the same advice to his stepfather, which was oh, get yeah. him off the dirt and get him on pavement, well, learn how listen. to save his tires. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it both worked out for us. So after that, the next step in the process, as your dad described, was Hell Week, or at least it was for <laughs> him. Maybe for not him, for yeah. you. So Chili Bowl 2012, you're you're there trying to win one of the, the biggest races of the year. Your parents are sifting through like a hundred pages of documents <laughs> in four contracts. Yeah. Um, were you privy to any of that? Did you know any of that was going on? I mean, I'm, you know, young, so like nothing, and even now, like nothing's a big deal to me. Uh, but everything's <laughs> a big deal to my parents. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, I was at Chili Bowl, so I'm just there racing. I'm not reading through paperwork or anything like that. So it wasn't. Uh, it was a. Uh, easy going week for me because you know i'm racing a midget at chili bowl and um yeah i remember we uh remember we had a lunch or breakfast or something with bruce kempton and um going over some like you know details and stuff like that i don't even remember what it was all about but um yeah i remember i know i read that that uh, piece uh you know that uh, you're you're reading bits and pieces of right now but um I do remember, I forgot about it until I read it, but I remember, you know, in the, the rev racing, you know, NASCAR diversity thing. Right. Um, they were like, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's got to work in the shop every day and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm not working in the shop. I'm, <laughs> I will gladly not do any of this because they didn't want me to race sprint cars or, you know, they didn't want me to do dirt stuff. I'm like, this is a Canaan team. I'm, I'm going to. Right. I'm, I'm going to race sprint cars. So if, if they don't let me, I'm not doing it. So, um, they gave in and I got to do everything I wanted and, and yeah, life's good. That was my next question was, um, that, so your dad like puts together all these deals. There are four contracts. There's one for a late model deal in Florida. There was a driver yeah. and sponsor deal with, with chip. And then, as you said, there was the rev racing deal for K and N, which is the NASCAR diversity program puts you in a K and N car. But as you said, part of the deal was you'd have to stop racing open wheel and you'd have to work in the shop. And the way your dad describes this is everything was done except that. And you're in Australia racing sprint cars. And your dad like says, well, this is the deal. And you're like, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still want to run 118 races a year. Um, I guess, Kyle, like, I, I, I understand like what you just said, like that, you know, you, you stayed true to what you are and that you, you love USAC, you love open wheel, that you're always going to run dirt. But like when, when you've been kind of turned down by teams that say, Hey, you need to bring money. And here's a team saying, you don't have to bring money, but you have to meet these conditions. And you say, no, here are my conditions. Like, mm-hmm. how did you do that? Was it just about staying true to like what you wanted? Pretty yeah. Much? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love sprint car racing and, uh, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to race it. And, um, and at the time, I mean, yeah, I'm running over a hundred races a year and there's 
14 K&N races a year. Like I'm going to drive myself crazy if I'm not racing and, um, you know, going to the shop and, and working on stuff. I don't work on They don't want me to work on stuff. <laughs> Do you know what they would have had you doing when you've been like hanging bodies or no, something? I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sweeping the floors. I can do that, but, um, I don't, I, I don't know. Like you can't take something away from somebody that they love doing. And especially when, um, at the time, like you're only raced 14 times and it's not like you're out testing or, you're gonna be bored you're gonna be all literally you racing you know twice a month if that right. so uh i'm used to racing four times a week at the time so yeah i was i was very stern and saying i i won't do the nascar thing if i can't if i can't get to do what i want to do and and you know continue to race sprint cars so um you know early on you're now now you know being in cup and stuff uh, this is definitely important stuff, and and I've way toned down my my sprint car schedule. Um, you know, my my rookie season in 2014, I don't think I ran any sprint car races. Uh, last year I ran one during the regular year, and then uh, this year I probably ran um, 12 to 15 since since the you know regular season's been going on. So. Um, because the stakes have changed. You've yeah. Multi-million dollar yeah, there's a, sponsors, you know, there's hundreds of people depending 240 on 240 yeah. employees in right. here that are depending on me. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I realize you know, the importance of, of focusing on this, but, uh, early on, it, you know, for, for that's the, the Canaan deal. Um, I was totally fine. If just, like I said, I, I, I know I can make a I know I can make a career and make a living racing sprint cars, and I was fine doing that. Yeah, and it worked out okay for you because as as part of that deal, Chip then agreed also to put you in four truck races in 2012 as part of doing the K&N deal, and that led to you uh, getting put in full-time Xfinity Series in 2013. So it sort of fast-tracked you in a way that mm-hmm. sticking to the racing principles was, was yeah. good. Um, so Chip put his money up there as well with that truck team. You said that on Sunday at Michigan after the race, you said that, Chip understands racing more so, I think, than a lot of the other owners. I know Chip has raced a car before; he's driven a car, but I know other owners have too. Is it what is it that makes it different with for him? Is it just as simple as that he has a, an ability to understand you because he has raced, or is it is it more to the, to that? Well, Chip is like you know, Chip made his living racing, like racing and owning race teams, where a lot of the other owners not saying it's bad or whatever it's just chip you know loving racing but uh you know a lot of the other owners you know made their money doing something else and and you know this is you know just kind of a side business where this is chip's business like this is how he puts food on his table like Mm -hmm. he doesn't do anything else this is he owns race teams he owns a lot of race teams so um just that right there shows his dedication to to racing and to the sport um so I think that's something that's really cool and, and uh, something he has over the other owners. All right. A couple more for you. Your dad's story also mentioned the importance of Belleville and how he said that winning that race, the Belleville Nationals, put you on the map. Also, of course, that's where, unfortunately, we lost Brian Clausen a few months ago. I know for racers, you guys are able to just compartmentalize and put stuff aside and just get in the car regardless. But when something like that happens, does that change your perspective of a track or a place when you go there? Um. Yeah, that's why I haven't been back. Uh, I'm yeah. glad I only had to run Belleville that one year. Um, 
it's uh yeah it's just got a a, a good history but also it's got the, the bad history uh, of you know injuring drivers and you know killing multiple drivers but um yeah it's just uh you know it sucks it sucks losing brian especially you know, at belleville um you know because that was you know probably one of his favorite places to run and uh super uh you know sp- i knew i know it held a very special place in his heart because uh he wanted to be the first to win four you know belleville midget nationals and he was he was going to like he was gonna lap the field probably that night um but yeah, you know things happen, and and that's racing. But uh, yeah, it uh, it hurts for sure. What do you love uh, about racing dirt? I mean, you've you've now had a lot of success and made a lot of money in cars that statistically are shown to be safer. But obviously, from hearing you talk today, you're committed to still racing dirt. Um, what is it about it that, that keeps you coming back? Well, I love I love dirt racing um, because you're not saying that NASCAR doesn't take driver talent. But uh, dirt racing is more about driver talent than it is about equipment and how much money you spend. Um, you can you can take a you can take a tenth place car and win with it in in a sprint car or midget. You can't take a tenth place car and, and win a cup race unless you get lucky. Um, so that's what I like about it, and and just the power and the weight. You know, they're they have more horsepower. They weigh half as much as a cup car. Um, the races are shorter. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and, and the track is constantly changing. You know, the conditions are never the same. You know, you go to, you go to a, a NASCAR track and yeah, it might change a little bit, you know, from the first time you go there to the next time, but dirt track is something different every night. And, uh, that's, that to me is what's really exciting and, and the competition and the friendships and everything is, is different. Have you talked any more about the Indy 500 with Chip? Especially uh, now that you have well, leverage yeah, of making shoot, the chase. I didn't, uh, I mean, <laughs> now you always the told me he always told me you know, worry about winning your first cup race. So <laughs> I've I've done that. Now I can now I can ask. So um I don't know. I would love I would love to run the Indy five hundred uh at least once. Um so thanks for reminding me now I'm not to okay. have to ask him. Keep me posted on what he says. Um last one for you. You dream about winning your first sprint cup race all your life, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that you you envision the way it'll go and, and things that'll happen. You're thinking about it all the time for the better part of 24 years or whatever. Um, I'm sure a lot of what happened Sunday is what you expected, but is there one thing that has maybe happened since winning Michigan that, that you didn't expect that's, that's different than what you would have thought? Um, I don't know. The, the way my NASCAR career has been and, and you know, how hard I feel like I've had to fight for every win I've gotten. Um, I thought it was gonna be more of like a like a, a fight there at the end of the the race to get the win. I didn't know I would just kind of get out to lead and cruise. Um, you know, I, I always kind of imagined it being you know similar to like my Fontana win where I'm like you know not the fastest car and you know holding people off to win, but I had the fastest car on on Sunday and um, it's you know it's it's uh it's cool to realize that you know wins come easy when you have the fastest car <laughs> or not easy, but they come easier. Sure. Um, you don't have to work as hard. So that was probably, uh, I guess a little bit surprising, you know, or different than what I thought my first win would come like, you know, like I said, I thought, I thought it was going to be me, you know, pretty much exactly like Fontana, just, you know, running the wall somewhere and, and just doing everything I can to hold off Kyle Busch and, and guys like that behind me. I'm sure it's probably not going to be the last time you have the fastest car. So good luck on that being the first of many. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Our thanks again to Kyle Larson for joining us. Thanks as well to Davis Schaefer of Chip Ganassi Racing. 
and Laura Thinley of NASCAR for helping coordinate and schedule the conversation. Thanks, as always, to Tess Quinlan for producing the NASCAR and NBC podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes for automatic downloads of new episodes. And as always, the NASCAR and NBC podcast also is available on Audioboom, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and a plethora of other smartphone apps. Also check out those places for the NBC Sports podcast lineup. If you enjoyed the Tara and Johnny podcast during the Rio Olympics, they are back in the States and taped a new episode last week that's worth checking out. If you have ideas for guests, suggestions, questions for the NASCAR and NBC podcast, please send me feedback on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. Always interested in hearing what people liked and what else they'd like to hear in the program. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. We appreciate you listening and hope you enjoyed it. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner Plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.